we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New England Patriots. This is the Patriots Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Patriots Wire editor, Henry McKenna. Unless somebody's going to come out of the blue with this Again, four-man rush. Play is thrown. It's caught at the one-yard line. Fullback's going to shift. He Here he goes. He's going to take it himself, and he doesn't get in. And the Seahawks are going to win the game. That's how it ended on Sunday night for the Patriots in what was a brilliant game in Seattle. The Pats losing 35-30. They get a chance from the one-yard line with time about to expire. They go to their best play, a play that no one's been able to stop around the goal line, and they just could not quite punch it in. Henry, what do you think, man? I mean, should Patriots fans be upset, or should they actually be encouraged about what they saw on Sunday night? Yeah, I think it's it's definitely an encouraging game. I don't think anyone expected the Patriots to be this far along at this point on offense. But I do think, actually, there's reason to be discouraged on defense. But first, the offense. So the Patriots, I mean, with Brady leaving, it goes without saying, when you lose the greatest quarterback of all time, you're going to be dealing with some some growing pains, or at least so we thought. But uh, Cam Newton helped Julian Edelman reach a career high 179 receiving yards he held uh Nikhil harry reach a career high 72 receiving yards it's interesting to see cam newton make more out of these players at least in one game than tom brady was able to do that in itself is pretty remarkable and the reason he had to do that is because he was in a shootout with the seahawks because the defense was not good enough the patriots had a similar problem they've always had a similar problem against the the seahawks with the exception of the one time malcolm butler Got that interception on the goal line. Otherwise, you know, the Patriots are three or one three against Pete Carroll Seahawks. So hard to compare apples to apples in this situation, but definitely an interesting comparison to make. Now, on defense, that's where the the reason for pessimism comes because uh, Russell Wilson completed 75% of his passes. He threw five touchdowns, and the only interception, the only turnover that the Patriots got from Seattle was honestly a lucky tip. Now, Devin McCourty was in the right place at the right time, uh, and, and he returned it for a touchdown. Huge play, and those sorts of like lucky tips to people, it's it's not all coincidence, right? I mean, Devin McCourty was in the right place at the right time because he's a pro bowler. But, right. Still lucky, um, though. Still lucky. I agree still, with you. It's still a lucky play. That was awful by Greg the, Olson. I mean, what was that? Yeah, you know? and it was the best play of the night for the defense, I'd say, probably. So... The Patriots secondary was supposed to be the thing that held them together. And the Patriots passing offense was supposed to be the thing that came together. And we saw the opposite. We saw that the Patriots passing offense was what really is is holding them together, actually, in that game. And the the secondary was, was what maybe needs to come together. And I think in part, it's a product of the shoddy or, or the shortcomings of the linebacker unit. And I'm glad you said that because I think their linebacking core is a big problem. I heard on the radio that uh, Juwan Bentley played every snap in the game. 
and there's some plays that come to mind where he didn't look all that good out there. He was on ice skates a couple times, and Russell Wilson was running by him. So, uh, you know, Bentley, I think if he's your best linebacker, you, that might be a problem. At, at some point, we're going to feel the loss of Dante Hightower, of Kyle Van Noy, of Jamie Collins, right? And I think you're starting to feel it. And I am also a little concerned about the size of the Patriots defense. You know, playing Phillips as in almost in that linebacker role, playing so many defensive backs, that's a little scary, especially coming up against a Raiders team that can run the football. And, you know, the Patriots on offense, they're heavy and they can blast you. And I think that's what they tried to do on that final play. But on defense, it's the flip side, right? They're very light on D and it's a little scary. But, you know, at the same time, the defense is, it seems like the secondary is kind of talking it off. Like, look, we played Russell Wilson and he was throwing like otherworldly throws. And to an extent, that is correct. I mean, I cannot believe some of the balls Wilson put in there. That is unbelievable. That guy is so good. He is so freaking good. But still, I mean... They did. They got torched. They got torched. And I think coming out of this, the defense is definitely a, a big concern. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. And I think that they're, you're right. There's there's a way to look at this game in context and say Russell Wilson is having an MVP season and MVPs are world beaters. And that's basically what happened. What I do not think is good is the between the tackles, light looking Patriots defense. The fact that they were getting blasted off the ball on every running play. It's one thing for Russell Wilson to be able to scramble and beat your middle linebacker. Like, think back to when Tom Brady famously beat out Brian Urlacher. Oh, I mean, we'll never forget that one here in New England. Yeah, exactly. That's a poster. It, it, oh, yeah. Open field tackling is hard when a linebacker is trying to account for a quarterback when that quarterback is Tom Brady, let alone <laughs> Russell Wilson, right? So, Juwan Bentley never really stands a chance when he's set up to spy Russell Wilson. And that's kind of a problem for the Patriots defensive play calling and less like Bentley himself, I'd say. What's scarier is when Bentley and Adrian Phillips are trying to defend the run, a power run up the middle. That's scary. And they cannot keep Chris Carson from picking up five, six, 15 yards on almost every play. That is a very, very big problem that the Patriots I don't know how they're going to address it unless they can get these rookie linebackers, Josh Uche and Anthony Jennings. They get those guys more snaps. Those guys start playing better. Just got to get them on the field. Yeah, and confident by the end of the year. But instead, they've decided to give this this lighter look a try, and I don't think that they will like the look of it. Yeah, and again, I heard this on the radio uh, as well yesterday. I mean, it reminds you of that Chargers playoff game where the Chargers came in with all those defensive backs and the Patriots ran them over with Sony Michelle, right? They just blasted the Chargers out of the uh, out of the building and it's kind of reminding me of that and it's that's that's like it's a little scary it's a little scary but there's so much more to get to here with this game and and i do want to go back to that final play get henry's take on it and also in case you missed it henry got coach belichick a little riled up in the post game you'll hear that coming up next fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends Sit him, start him. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com. Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about strong plays for Week 3. Chicago Bears quarterback Mitchell Trubisky against the Atlanta Falcons. The matchup is brilliant, and Atlanta's offense could put Chicago in a pass-happy situation. Trubisky may make mistakes like we saw last week with two interceptions, but he should be able to take advantage on the outside with his strong wide receivers. Deion Lewis takes over for Saquon Barkley at least for this week. Devontae Freeman looks like he'll be the guy going forward, but he's coming off the street and doesn't know the playbook. San Francisco is so beaten up on both sides of the ball right now that the Giants 
Ryan should be able to stay in the game late enough to continue running the football. If not, Lewis is a capable receiver out of the backfield as well. Jaguars wide receiver Keelan Cole has the eye of quarterback Gardner Minshew, and he has a fine matchup against the banged-up Miami secondary. And furthermore, DJ Chark is banged up himself, which could mean more work for Cole if the injury is aggravated during the contest. Look for him to make it three games in a row with a touchdown to open the 2020 season. And finally, Cincinnati tight end Drew Sample. He's a second-year player who will fill in for CJ Uzama, who was lost for the year after torn Achilles tendon last week. Sample saw nine targets last week, catching seven of them, but for only 45 yards. That's a product of having a rookie quarterback who's not willing to take as many chances downfield. Last week, Tyler Higby scored three touchdowns, and Logan Thomas had one in week one on only nine total catches against the Eagles in 2020 by tight ends. For more fantasy football information, check out thehuddle.com. Next question, Henry McKenna, followed by Greg Bedard. Bill, on the final play with with um, the offense on the goal line, um, what, what were you guys thinking in terms of decision-making? Obviously, I don't know. I wondered if, like, there's a level of thinking all the way back to the Super Bowl where, you know, the Seahawks threw the ball, whether you guys are trying to avoid a situation like that or um, just what was, was running through the coaches mind as they make the decision there um, about what you would think it would be we had one play to score and we tried to go with what we thought was our best play what else is there to think about all right first of all that was tremendous henry i could have given you a hug when i listened to the presser on monday morning i i kind of edited that down too. those those long pauses that belichick gave you man it was like i know you're not scared you know you're not intimidated but i was i was a little scared for you yeah, that, Bill and I are, are not friends. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't been invited. You haven't been invited to Nantucket yet. No, we we've been through way too many of those exchanges uh, <laughs> where I makes me love you. Ask maybe the question that needs to be asked, but but he really doesn't want to answer. So we've we've been through that dance plenty of times. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I wish I wish I had asked the follow up. You know, he said, "What else? What else is there to think about?" And you know, I think I think it's a, it's a simple. There were probably like three, three basic options, right? I mean, it is a, they did a design quarterback run play. I mean, there are many, many options. Obviously, you have a whole playbook. There's a design quarterback run play that you that you've used many times. There's the there's the sort of like counter of it where, you know, we saw it early in the game where they slipped out the fullback who was I think lined up at tight end mm-hmm. for a reception, or you do something that's that's totally different, whether it's eye formation or it's a spread where where Newton can scramble and run. So I, I've listed now four options, but that's sort of what I could have gotten into was well, you, you had a whole playbook. Why did you go to, back to the one that you've done so many times? And his answer would be, well, it worked yeah. so many times. And the Patriots are like this. Like, they're going to make a defense stop something until they prove they can. And the Seahawks didn't until the final play. So right, right. now, again, you run in the risk of when that happens, when you're trying to force them to stop you, that they've made the adjustments. <laughs> so we right. saw the adjustments get made in game. And by giving the same look rather than a new look, I guess, I, you know, I think there's space to second guess whether it was smart for them to keep running the same play, even though they knew that the play was uh, successful previously. Now, now, I will actually go so far as to say that I think that what Belichick did was correct. I think his, his management of the timeouts was correct. And I think that his management of the play calling was also correct, even though I think it was probably Josh McDaniels who called that play. 
on the goal line. And my rationale is I've run through where the timeout could have come. And that was when Julian Edelman, this is what everybody's saying, is when Julian Edelman yep. caught the ball inbounds at the 13-yard line. I hate that rule, by the way. He's basically like out of bounds. You know, that, that yeah. rule is so annoying, especially if you're a Patriots fan in that moment. But go on. And, and so let's say they call that timeout. I think they save about 24 seconds. So let's say they have 36 seconds, but no timeouts on the 13-yard line. I don't really like those chances compared to what they got in the plays that followed. Because let's say you throw a completion. Well, if that completion is short of the end zone, you have to hurry up, clock the ball. What if you didn't get a first down? Right. Then you're looking at a third down. And you and maybe you still have, you know, 24 seconds of clock or even like 15. But you still now you have to worry about not just getting a touchdown, but maybe getting a first down. So there's a whole nother level of clock management that people are sort of throwing out the window when they were not first and goal. They were 13 yards out and they actually did get two shots at the end zone and they were two very good shots. Well, three. Right. But two shots that were unsuccessful. Edelman was open in the middle of the field. Cam Newton just threw high, and that should have been a touchdown. So if anything, Newton is due more criticism of misfiring because that is a play that would have shut everyone up on clock management, play call management, et cetera. That was an open receiver, good play call. And then we get to the Nikhil Harry one-yard catch. There's a question, I think, as to whether he should have maybe fought harder for the goal line, but because he had fumbled in week one at the goal line and caused ensuing touchback. I think in his head, he was saying, I cannot fight for the goal line because I cannot fumble again. That's a good point. So I'm just going to, I'm going to sit down on this one yard line. We've got a timeout and we've got a good play that's going to win this game. So that's probably where his head is at. I don't fault him for that conservative play because you have that timeout. So then they sit down on this one yard line and they've got a play that's been successful for basically every short yardage situation that they've had for, for two weeks. So why not run it again and, and make them stop you? So like I said, I think there's opportunity to question bits and pieces, but I look through how that drive went and I just see two moments of failed execution on the players and not necessarily on the coaches. I agree. I don't think you can ask for anything more. You're on the one-yard line where nobody could stop you up to that point. Yeah. The Patriots are just unstoppable. And you look at the play, and, and Cam thinks he could have bounced it outside. It looked like one of the young offensive linemen missed a block. So, I mean, there's some things that you can nitpick there and say, hey, maybe it, it was actually there and they just didn't execute it properly. I don't know. Whatever. But, you know, my takeaway, Henry, coming off the game is, you know, they lost, and that was exciting and disappointing at the end. But I did not know how much I... I would fall for this team and fall for Cam Newton so fast. And I think all of Patriots Nation is kind of, you know, fanning themselves like, oh, my gosh, we talked about the uh, the love affair between Belichick and Cam Newton. And I think all of Patriots Nation is has got to be feeling the same way about Cam. He's just saying all the right things. He's clearly a, a leader. He clearly is healthy and he has plenty in the tank. It's so fun right now to watch. And I thought when Brady left the Buccaneers and we were going to have Jarrett Stidham at quarterback or Brian Hoyer, you know, I, I didn't know how excited I would be about the season. But I can tell you right now, after watching that game Sunday night, I am, am so excited to watch Cam Newton and the Patriots uh, compete this year, and I think that's the silver lining coming out of it. Yeah, I think uh, it's clear how much New England is fawning over Cam Newton. It's, it's hilarious. Oh, gosh, um, yeah. Like, I'm fanning myself right now. I mean, I, my <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's great. Uh, this is what Cam Newton deserves. He deserves a really good franchise uh, fan base that cares about him. He's making the most out of what is honestly not a good offensive situation. I mean, 
yes, you have Bill Belichick and you have Josh McDaniels, but that is and a good offensive line. But that's kind of it. Like Julian Edelman is a great receiver, but he's limited. I mean, he's playing on a limited snap count. He's dealing with the knee injury. But you look at Nikhil Harry, a guy who had 105 yards last year. Demir Bird, a guy who who really took a long time to break out. Needed that Arizona offense last year to help him emerge. You've got just and no tight end. A running game that's averaging they're just with the running backs about three yards a carry. Not good. They need um, Damian Harris. Yeah. So Newton's making the most of this situation and, and he's he's a guy that should not have been doubted to the degree that he's been doubted. And he's a guy that has clearly deserved the full support of an organization. And now it's the Patriots, which is just honestly perfect for him to uh, make a revenge tour happen. Coming up next, the Patriots have an interesting little opponent in the Las Vegas Raiders who are 2-0 and and feeling pretty good about themselves. So looking forward to breaking that one down with Henry. First, here's some sports betting advice from our guys over at the Sportsbook Wire. We'll be right back. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slipping Podcast, and I'm joined by my colleague Jeff Clark. Here's what you need to know to bet the Week 3 Monday Night Football matchup in the NFL's game of the year between the Kansas City Chiefs and Baltimore Ravens. The Chiefs are plus 155 underdogs on the money line. Jeff, that's right. The Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs, plus 155 underdogs. The Baltimore Ravens are laying three and a half points at home. I'm going to go against the grain, against the public here. Give me the Ravens, minus three and a half, to win by at least four points. Oh, man. I want to push back and just take the Chiefs at the money line. You said plus 155. That's enticing. But if you're going to give me the three points, I'll take it. Has Patrick Mahomes ever gotten three and a half points? I'm pretty sure not, Eston. Uh, the defending Super Bowl champions. There's going to be no fans there at the M&T Bake Stadium in Baltimore. And they have one of the better home crowd advantages, which is going to be neutered because of the unfortunate situation right now. I'll take the dog uh, Super Bowl champion Chiefs at plus three and a half. I'm on Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Check out Sportsbook Wire for more with all odds from BetMGM Sportsbook. Subscribe to Bet Slippin' Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Henry, as I said, the Raiders are feeling real good about themselves. Knocked off the Saints at home in their brand new, beautiful, empty stadium in Vegas on Monday night. This team is, I don't know why the Raiders shouldn't scare me. You would think, on, you know, back in the preseason, I think we all circled this game and said the Pats are going to win that one at home. No, no chance the Raiders come in here and beat them. But now it's like, I don't know, with the struggles on defense as we hit on and the Raiders run game and their ridiculously good tight end, Darren Waller, I'm a little nervous about this game. Like, how are they going to defend Waller? What are they going to do with Josh Jacobs if they're going to continue to play all these defensive backs? So this matchup is a lot tougher now than I think any of us could have anticipated. What do you think about it? You know, actually, I think from a matchup standpoint, the Patriots match up well, but it's definitely a surprisingly challenging team. I mean, everybody thought that the Raiders were going to stink. I, I thought the Raiders were going to stink. Me, when, you have a quarterback, you. when you have a quarterback battle between Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota, <laughs> I mean, I just don't, I just yeah. didn't see a team, you know, making it very far. We've seen teams in the past make good runs based off of rushing and defense when you have like a Derek Carr type who often throws behind the first down marker. Um, <laughs> I've never been a big Derek uh, Carr guy personally. No, he looks nice if you if you just stare at the box score, but 
when you watch him play, you see major flaws in his game. And, and it goes back to what I just said, that, that he really doesn't throw for first downs. That's, that's a huge problem as a quarterback. <laughs> so anyways, I think that it's definitely a matchup that should be far more intimidating to New England than was originally anticipated. But I do like how New England can match up. And actually, the fact that Darren Waller is their best and kind of only, only. threat only that's yeah all. yeah nobody else got more than a couple you know a few targets it was all long. yeah so i think the patriots quarterback group is is deep enough that they could put stefan gilmore on waller and then use jason mccordy and jc jackson to cover receivers with jackson probably being on on rugs right uh or or maybe john jones being on rugs Someone fast, then, hopefully, is on Ruggs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. John Jones is probably the move there because because Ruggs honestly is not that good of a threat yet. Um, he's he just, just a burner. Sure. Just a burner. Yeah. yeah, he just needs to not look open for Derek Carr to not want to try it. Mm-hmm. So you put John Jones on Ruggs. You put you apply J.C. Jackson and Jason McCourty to the other matchups that are on the field because they're going to kind of rotate through receivers, and then you don't really have to put on as many defensive backs you can put more linebackers on the field you can take adrian phillips now he looked pretty good in week one so maybe they want to give that look another try but i really think that they need josh uche active because if the phillips look as as an inline linebacker if the kyle duggar look as an inline linebacker it's not a heavy enough front and they're just getting blown off the ball, and Josh Jacobs is having himself a day. They need to get bigger guys in there. And and Fernie Jennings is a third-round pick. Josh Uche, second-round pick. Bigger linebackers, or at least they are linebackers, rather than Duggar and Phillips, who are safeties playing linebackers. Put those guys in the middle of the defense and and see what happens. And like the worst thing that could happen is they, they struggle. But we're already seeing Phillips and, well, Duggar didn't really struggle, but Phillips playing out of position, is struggling. Now, I guess you could make an argument that he's not out of position. This is the position he played in, in L.A. when he was with the Chargers. But anyways, I just want to see it. I want the Patriots to commit to the guys that they drafted really high. I want them, if they're struggling from a clear size standpoint, to commit to putting a little more size on the field. Yeah, um, I think you got to see it, right? So, they got to go heavier in this game, and they got to dare those unproven wide receivers to beat them. They got to take away Waller, and they got to get heavy and, and compete in the run game, and then make Carr and the wide receivers do something they haven't been able to do yet or proven that they can do yet, right? Yep. 100%. It'll be really interesting. The Pats are favored by five and a half, and that line is a little closer than I think any of us anticipated. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. So, Henry, try not to make Belichick mad for the rest of the week, all right, as you're getting ready for this one. <laughs> uh, I can't make any promises. <laughs> I love it. Hey, have a great week. We'll we'll be back to talk about it next time. Yes, indeed. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.